We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Monday afternoon. It's July 3rd and thought we had to kind of pop on here over the holiday weekend to update and discuss how the Wolves offseason is shaking out. The Wolves re-signed Nikhil Alexander-Walker uh, over the weekend, also signed Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. to free agent deals. So we'll touch on both of those signings, but... Like the biggest news of the week, probably the biggest news of the Wolves offseason, even if it was kind of expected, is that Anthony Edwards signed a max contract extension this afternoon that will keep him under contract with the Wolves through 2029. No player option uh, in that fifth year of the deal. The deal can pay him between, will pay him $217 million if he doesn't make All-NBA this season. $260 million over the course of that contract if he does make All-NBA this season. But Britt, the big kicker here is that he's on the team. He's he's locked up. There were times, windows, I think, over the course of his three years here where no doing of his own, but things were just getting shaky with the Wolves, changing coaches, changing executives. I mean, he's had three three different presidents of basketball operations in three seasons uh, with the Timberwolves. I think there was a time, a point in time where it was, this wasn't a guarantee guarantee that, that Ant was going to be here for the long haul. And you know, that's a credit to the organization um, kind of restabilizing here over the past 12 months or so. And, and Ant is, is locked up. I mean, we weren't expecting anything different, but when you saw that come through today, what was just kind of your, initial reaction to that well i expected it but the bottom line is we don't have a track record on some things about ant we have a track record on some things about Ant. one is we know he is a superb teammate i think he's genuinely sincere when he he wants to give his teammates credit for things uh i think he's genuinely sincere when he talks about how hard he works uh, the fact that almost all that work is on offense is fine. It's still a lot of work. Yeah. And I think he's genuinely sincere about his outlook on life. I don't think he is hiding any depression or hiding any dark side of him at all. Relevant to the Wolves, well, you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully no, no, in just general. In gen- well, just yeah. in general, I guess what I'm saying is he seems to be remarkably well-balanced. Mm. I mean, 
What were you like when you were in your early 20s? I know what I was like. I was all over the map. You know, I knew what I wanted to be week to week, right. you know. And so I think that is somewhat typical. Obviously, when there's so much on the table, it focuses the mind. And to get to the point where there's so much on the table also focuses the mind. But you still don't know when push comes to shove, um, you know, How's he going to feel about this? And the fact that there was no drama to it, there's a little bit of a delay for whatever reason, but, you know, it may be that the Wolves were just busy cleaning up their roster. As soon as the roster was fairly clean in terms of what they were doing, everything the Wolves did was with the idea that Ant was going to get the max, obviously, just by the way they operated. Right. So um, there was no drama to it, which is very reassuring. Uh, this team is used to drama. That's the other thing, by the way, that the Timberwolves' best player does not attach a lot of drama to himself, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the thing where, the, you know, the gay comment about, uh, you know, a year ago now, and we had the other things that were kind of a much more positive light where he, he made a splash when he talked about kind of being against uh, maintenance, resting, and that kind of thing. But in general, when Ant, hits the front page of the sports section. It's for something phenomenal he's done, for some record that he has tied or exceeded, um, or for something that uh, is genuinely just a good story. I mean, yeah. Yeah, people who have done big takeout stories on him, specifically John Krasinski and Chris Hine, have done you know pretty big takeouts. Mm-hmm. And, and they've been um, illuminating, and they've been... You know he's not a you know a guy that that hides who he is and why he is what he is, and so for all those reasons, this is the best news that Wolves fans could have about the future of this team over the next five years. You've locked up a player that ensures you that you will be relevant on some level for the extent of. You know, 2029, when you mentioned that year, I thought, oh, okay, that's the last draft pick that the Wolves Uh, punt, you know? And so it will be here as ballast, regardless of what happens with the fallout from the Gobert trade. If they want to keep Anthony Edwards on the roster doing things, they can. And that is as good a counter to any bad news as you can come up with. Yeah, it's kind of, I I feel like I look at contracts I guess with all players, but particularly with high-end players, they're like the different chapters of your career, right? You got your rookie contract where you're not making that much money relative to the cap, and you're finding yourself as a player, as Ant did over this over the time of three years. And we should say he's still on the rookie contract for, for next season. This is right. an extension just like Cats. It kicks in uh, uh, in the 24-25 season when this team gets crazy expensive. Which, we'll talk which about. is a year from now. I mean, very, very, like maybe what a year and a month from now, or when? But when do they kick in? Now, now, I, or yeah, yeah, a year from yeah. now. Yeah, it'll be when we're in when it's Fourth of July next year. There will be a lot of oh, three, this three team. max steals on this roster, perhaps. Yeah, there's the the general delay of that, which I'm coming to understand from the Wolves. Of I, I keep saying like tomorrow's problems tomorrow and focused on this season and running the roster back like we've said that a bunch of times what i was saying with the contract i'm just interested 
to see what the next chapter of Ant is, right? The the first right. one has largely been, at least from a basketball perspective, really productive, grown up as a guy. Now he's gonna be a young man uh on this on this new contract. He's with a new agency. His star is likely going to ascend over the course of this time, not just as a basketball player, but as a I mean, I think icon, not only right. in the NBA, but given his persona, like it's going to evolve in in the world. And it's just it's it's cool, I guess, to, to have that on the, the team that is local and the team that you cover. And I've you know, we, we've done our little conversations about, you know, the last dance with the, the Bulls and kind of re right. relitigating some of that story or LeBron and not to. St. Ant is going to necessarily be that level, but we bring that up as a, you know, a credit to the influence that we think he could have on and off the, the floor. And he's at least going to be under contract uh, to, to do that in Minnesota as they, as an organization, navigate an ownership change here in the next six months or nine months or whatever it is. Um, they're going to have to navigate a tricky contract situation that very well could lead to a, another star player on this team, you know, getting moved or some sort of finances, or maybe it's the luxury tax. Like it is going to be kind of a monumental next, the beginning of the next chapter is going to be kind of monumental. And then I throw the Jaden thing in too, where that is the more, that is the more open question, I think, um, in terms of, these extensions with Ant, we presumed this was going to be. We've heard Tim Conley say that Ant and Jaden are going to be kind of tied together at the hip going forward in this, but Jaden is in a slightly different economic situation in terms of how his extension is. He is a great young player, but he is not a no brainer. Give him the max contract on day one of free agency right. that he, when he can sign it, and he hasn't. That hasn't happened. Right. Um, it Something could be negotiated over the, the course of July or, or actually any time over the course of the year he could sign that extension. But that that's the more open question, I think, because it could be one of those situations where Jaden's agent, who is the same as Ant's agent, you know, wants to push for him to be getting a contract close to Ant because that's his prerogative and that as the agent like to want to have right. that. And that isn't. I, I don't think objectively that's not where Jaden is right now. He could be in a year if he makes a leap. You know, Jaden wins most improved player and def like a defense, all defensive team and grows and all that. He has the case to be paid a lot more than I think people believe he will be paid um, right now. So that's the, I think that is, as we talk about, oh, like Cat getting traded, was Nas going to be here? All these sort of things. Really, for me, the one, that I have the, I don't feel like I have a pulse on is what exactly is going to happen with Jaden because that could go in a lot of different directions. But I think for Wolves fans who are excited about the long term future of Jaden McDaniels, I think it's noteworthy that they've committed, you know, now to, in many ways, a younger type of roster. They brought Nasreed back, who is the year Jaden senior. They brought Ant back who's in that window with him as well. And then these other free agent signings are, you know, guys in their early, mid-20s, not right. late 20s, 30s, like 
like Kat and Rudy are. I mean, we talked about this last week with the Tim's kind of doing the dual timeline sort of thing in exactly. in many in many ways. And we've talked about that for the past couple of years. It now kind of makes a little bit more sense. It didn't make as much sense two years ago as so we didn't know how good Ant was going to be. We didn't know how good Jaden or Nas were going to be. Right. Now kind of by necessity, if you're the president of basketball operations of the Timberwolves, you need to be navigating two timelines. And I think credit to Tim. He is is navigating that second timeline, keeping those pieces in place. And they're going to try and fuse that together with the dual bigs of Rudy and Kat and, and to a lesser degree, Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson, who are the the vets, you know, the the rotation right. vets uh, of this team. So I think I think credit to Conley for getting it done. Credit to Ant for, you know, agreeing to it. And, you know, we'll we'll kind of see how this this moves forward. Well, well, I think that Tim Conley has gained a lot of credibility in this offseason. Yep. I think that um, the Gobert trade on paper and in reality right now, the people who are skeptical of it have a stronger argument than the people who continue to defend it as probably a profitable good deal for the team. Um, so he had that to overcome. And saying he was going to run it back was also in its own way kind of a bold statement even though it makes sense that if you commit that much of your reputation and your franchise's resources to something it would seem kind of silly not to see it through but what i have liked is that we have seen the tim conley that ran the denver nuggets almost exclusively mm. during this time and that is the better Tim Conley, in my view. Tim Conley uh, has swung for the fences from his heels once. And it, in my opinion thus far, I'm certainly willing to have my opinion changed. But until I see tangible signs of needing to change it, I'm not going to change it. Because I've already changed it once. I was on board <laughs> with the deal at one point. Um, that it has not been a profitable good deal. Uh, not a good return on resources. Some of it, ironically, is because Tim Conley drafted Walker Kessler. Again, adding more bona fides to his ability to build a team rather than assemble stars. Mm -hmm. Well, now this guy whose ability to build a team rather than assemble stars has got three max guys on his roster. Only Phoenix has that for the 24-25 season besides the Wolves right now. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. And if you add Jaden, I mean, you know, note to Jaden's agent, the Wolves are not adding a fourth max. If Jaden <laughs> is somehow signed for the max, somebody else is going out the door. And so. Or even close I, to. Huh? Or even close to the max. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, just. You know, it, it gets to a point where it starts to get ridiculous. Let's face it. Now, you know. um, if we stick to what we know, we know that the two timelines thing, one timeline is almost exclusively, I mean, Conley probably won't be here beyond a year. He's going to be very valuable this coming year. And Kyle Anderson will probably get a boost in pay that will look dicey if he has another year like he did this last year. 
But unless you're going to throw some very promising players off this team, then the old timeline, for lack of a better word, um, rests on Gobert and Cat really maximizing things. Whereas the young timeline has got you can you can make a couple of mistakes and yeah. still be looking pretty good on that young timeline. So I think whereas a year ago at this time you were prioritizing the old timeline, even without Conley on the roster. Now, I think if you had to choose, you're prioritizing the young timeline. Obviously, he's not choosing right now, and he shouldn't choose. I mean, once you make it doesn't the determination. Have to. He doesn't have to right determ- now. Yeah. yeah, once you make the determination. Um, but finances will come into play a year from now, as we know, and, and some heavy decisions will have to be made. Fortunately, we do have, you know, 82 games and then the, the postseason. Um, it's a lot of games. 80, yeah, 81 <laughs> like, games in the postseason, right? We're so, like, oh, this is uh, just coming. But they're, they're, we're going to learn a hell of a lot about the Minnesota Timberwolves over the next 12 months, which doesn't sound like that long of a time before they need to make some critical decisions. But, you know, we're going to get a lot of breadcrumbs, for better or worse, over the course right. of time that will determine that and not, you know, push the envelope. They're not pushing the envelope before they have to, which, I mean, I get, I don't know. I, I That really burned red in my eyes once I understood the second apron and some of that stuff that came right, to right. fruition. No, no, no. And I actually agree with you. I, I know that there is a perception you overreacted to that. But I also think that it is... A fire alarm 12 months away doesn't necessarily mean that we have 11 and a half months to ignore it. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's just uh, it's like global warming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll turn out better. Uh, hopefully but, that's more than 12 months. Too. <laughs> uh, Brett, let um, me let me uh, let, let's I, I like the Conley part of it and building building the team out and while, you know, it a Shake Milton or Troy Brown or Nikhil Alexander walking yeah, yeah, Walker yeah. signing kind of pales in comparison to a 200 plus million dollar deal to a 21 year old. Um, I think that's uh, the other interesting thing here too. So let's grab a break and, and uh, talk about those three in, you know, in line with, they kind of split the two timelines, at least age wise right. in many ways. So back with Britt here in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis company. As an entrepreneur, do you envision your innovative products on retail shelves? If that is you, then listen up. The Genesis Company is your guide to retail triumph. Their expert team has aided over 300 brands, generate more than $3 billion in retail sales, and is dedicated to transforming your dreams into reality. The Genesis Company amplifies your brand's potential by leveraging advanced marketing strategies and the latest technology. They specialize in extending direct-to-customer brands into mass retail and enhancing retail brands, DTC, or Amazon presence. But they offer more than just marketing. From retail consulting, packaging and sales strategies, to operations, financing, and supply chain management, they provide a comprehensive end-to-end solution. And here's the best part. The Genesis Company is invested in your success. They're not just a service provider. They're your partner in growth. When your brand wins, they win too. If you're ready for the next level, contact them today at grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Let's scale your brand together. Today's episode is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant, and summer in the NBA means the off-season, but summer is also absolutely the season at Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. The team at Hyacinth is working tirelessly to bring you 
the most delicious, vibrant food the state of Minnesota has to offer. The chefs, they're hitting all the metro farmers markets and partnering with local farms so you know you're getting the freshest, most in-season products that you can get your hands on. I've been to Hyacinth a bunch of times for special occasions or just the casual impromptu meal, and I think they excel at both. I love getting the staple menu items, the Bucatini Casiote e Pepe. I've loved there, and uh, I've gone with Kyle a couple times. His favorite is the chicken parm. But they do surprise me every time with an array of seasonal dishes that I didn't get on my last visit, and I think that's the best thing about Hyacinth. I get I get the comfort of a reliable standby and the feeling of discuss, discovery all in the same meal. So make a reservation on their website, hyacinthstpaul.com, to select a seat at a table, the bar, or the summer-only sidewalk patio. That's Hyacinth Restaurant on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. All right, back with Britt Robson from MinPost. Uh, Britt, I haven't done a, a pod since the Shake Milton or Troy Brown Jr. or Nikhil Alexander-Walker signings happened over the weekend. I, I've taken some time to watch some Shake Milton film. I haven't really had the chance yet at 4th of July. You know, haven't really had the right, chance sure. to, to sink my teeth too deep into it. But, I mean, it, it at a minimum it gave us clarity in terms of what they were going to do financially on the margins for this season. It last week we were talking about, okay, full mid-level exceptions here to be used. Can you get a Dante DiVincenzo? Can you get a Bruce Brown? You don't have to do like naked laps or whatever, like you said you were going to do for Bruce Brown getting <laughs> the mid-level, <laughs> but uh, that the mid-level to its full veracity on one player was, was not used. We kind of talked about they had this $14, $15 million of, of spending power to use, and they've used it on bringing in three players. And then there's one open roster spot rather than putting it all into one player and one open roster spot. And um, I think it's a, a creative sort of way to hedge some bets. Uh, Troy Brown is different than Shake Milton is different than... Nikhil Alexander-Walker is different. It's a, it's a creative way to have used it. I'm not ready to crown it some massive success story or, or failure one right. way or the other. It's going to be uh, determined by the quality of, of the play of, of those three players on cheap contracts. I mean, right. cheap contracts for, for all, all three of them, particularly, I, I think Nikhil stands out as a real sort of bargain deal that... I think they kind of paid him based on his production from his first four years in the league, which was fairly underwhelming and not based off of the play-in tournaments and that first round of the playoffs where Nikhil looked like a substantially more functional and productive player than he did any other time previously. So to that end, uh, the Nikhil one stands out as a bargain to me and probably will be the most influential player of, of those three players. Uh, I would I would guess I'm um, going into next year. I think Shake will will be will be close there as well. But just those names. I don't know if you've had more chance to dig into it than than I have. But what was your uh, initial reactions to to those signings? Well, the first thing is I think that despite the fact that he was here for three months or so, the Wolves got a hometown discount. Mm -hmm. The Wolves essentially got a guy who was extremely grateful that. He was on a rebuilding team and wasn't in the rotation pretty much. Yeah. That was a message that he was going to hit free agency as damaged goods. 
-hmm. And instead, he was put in a position where he could have hit free agency in a much better bargaining position. But he understood why he was in that position. And he understood that, you know, he had a guy came over, he came over with Conley, and it seemed like they had a really good relationship in terms of their conversations. Uh, he was given a job by default, by luck, of being the wing stopper. Um, at a time when um, Jaden McDaniels was injured, and he did a fantastic job, both on SGA in the play-in and then on Jamal Murray in the first round. So all of those things, but none of that would have happened if the Wolves hadn't rolled the dice and been prescient about what his high end was. So credit the Wolves, Chris Finch, Tim Conley, guys like Mike Conley, teammates, that uh, you know moved him along the coaching staff in general. That was a hometown discount. Um, then when you add Shake Milton and Brown Jr. and you look at the guys that they have drafted and you include Minot in that, yeah, what you point. have is you have a, a depth of a certain kind of culture and. I don't know whether I'm leaning into this because it fits my bias of what I like or whether or not this is deliberate, but it sort of seems to me like the Wolves have been stacking intensive, defensive, rangy, springy, wiry wings. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what all of these guys have in common. The two draft picks, Naw, Shake, Brown Jr., Minot, they are all guys who like to get after it on ball and can switch, and like to play defense in a way. And um, in my opinion, you can have too many of those, but you can also find out who can be a two-way player as you move along and basically siphon out the guys, unless they're phenomenal defensively, you basically pick up the two-way players in that group that you have because Finch is going to need that. He's obviously somebody who doesn't like to play you unless you can score. But that gives Finch some trial and error room to find out what this deeper rotation will look like. And the idea of having, you know, people forget the Wolves were a bottom 10 offensive team and a top 10 offense. I mean, bottom 10 offensive team and a top 10 defensive team last year. Well, you know, they are leaning into that now. and. They are leaning into it not only with Rudy Gobert staying on the team and trying to maximize his ongoing contributions. And by the way, Rudy, one of the few things I really liked about Gobert's end of his first season was he did begin to flex. He's no longer necessarily just a drop guy, and he's no longer necessarily just a guy who is making decisions on who to guard at the rim, you know, that type of thing. So. I think you have a lot more defensive flexibility and depth in addition to the fact that you have a background as a top 10 defense. And defensively, you haven't really lost anybody aside from Torian Prince, who actually was better on defense drawing charges and, and getting back in transition than he was in terms of half-court yeah. defense. And so you really have the makings 
of solidifying a top 10 defense now and for perhaps two or three seasons to come, if not more. And you have a phenomenal offensive player in Cat and a phenomenal offensive player in Ant, both locked up for at least four or five years on big contracts. I mean, that to me. And that's going to pull the offense up. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds to me like a really good formula. Um, the only thing that keeps me skeptical is whether or not Pat and Rudy need to be staggered. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the personnel on the roster, and, you know, Finch perhaps learning uh, some things from last year about how sometimes you may not be able to just let them play, you know? You may have to put a little more structure in to have a little more pick and roll, to have a little bit more flow, that flow in a manner that gets you what you want. And then you have the defensive personality. So to wrap this all up without getting too much into specifics, Shake is 6'5". I can't remember what Brown Jr. is, but he's bigger than he – I mean, he plays bigger than he uh, stands. They all have pretty good wingspans. They all get after it. Uh, Shake is also pretty solid. He's he's solid. And Naw, despite his physique, Naw stands people up. Physical. and so, and Jaden is the opposite. Jaden is the, you know, the guy who, who lets you roam until you commit. And then he's, you know, he's on you. Um, it's just a lot of good. When I look at this roster, I'm feeling a, a lot better about Tim Conley. And I'm feeling a lot better about the fact that he's back in his comfort zone, stacking assets, you know, in a, a somewhat consonant cultural way that, that, that speaks well and will want people like Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and everybody else to, to continue to play joyfully for this team. Yeah. I, I like the, the idea with the, the numerous bench guys again, who are all, I think shakes the oldest at, at 27 to 24 and Brown 25, something like in, in, in that range. And it's, it's sort of set up so that even if, one or two of those three players, if you throw Nikhil in there as well, if they flop and they end up not being rotation contributors, as as happens, right? Whether by Brent right. Forbes and uh, sure. Austin Rivers, right? yeah, and and I, you, you know, you're paying those guys a little bit more than those two. Right. You have a little bit higher yeah. expectations, but like at the end of the day, anytime you're signing a player for on five million bucks or less, you're, you're running some sort of risk there, and and I like having three of them where. If even one of them work and is a part of your rotation in a way that really makes sense. You know, Nikhil on, on ball Brown as a, a, a floor spacer shake kind of as the Jalen Noel bench creator towards the basket. Like there are three different ways. And if you can hit one of those or two of those, that's going to make it, you're going to feel that impact in the back end of your rotation and I think what we were getting to, even like before the trade deadline last year, before Nikhil even became a possibility, was when we talk about the second timeline and the the younger players, it really felt like a need that one or both of Josh Minot or Wendell Moore Jr. were going to have to hit. And, you know, I think right or, just out of in our minds, Josh Minot has. We haven't really seen that uh, proven out. 
I would say Wendell Moore in our minds hasn't really proven out because, but that might be some bias in different ways, but they, those two don't have to hit now, I think in the, in the second timeline. And there's, there's value in that, particularly what we do talk about 12 months down the line. If you are going to have Mike Conley, not on this team, who's a free agent next summer, if you're not going to have Kyle Anderson, one or two or maybe three of those guys are going to need to fill in that role for five million bucks or less. And you have some chances at being able to do it. It's it's worth us noting that Shake Milton is under contract for two years. He has a team option in the second year. Nikhil's under contract for two years. So he also spills into that expensive season. No team option on that one. Same thing with Troy Brown Jr., team option in the second year. So you have two years here. When we were talking a month ago, the only guys who were on under contract other than Cat and Rudy for multiple years were Wendell Moore and, and Josh Minot. There is just so much more of a diversity of players under contract for 24-25 now. You throw Nas into the mix now, too, that it, it gives me a little bit more hope for how they navigate the Conley and Anderson maybe likely departures a year from now. That that was really the thing as I was processing the second apron stuff of like, that was the major red flag to me of, I mean, kind of on the margins, but like, okay, Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson aren't going to come back. Like, What the hell are they going to do? Well, now right. you have some role players who, yes, Shake isn't like a traditional, traditional point guard like Mike Conley is. Um, the Keel Alexander Walker isn't a traditional point guard either Troy Brown Jr. isn't what what Kyle Anderson is but maybe collectively in a year if they hit they can fill up some of that I think that as I just sit here and look at the roster I go okay I feel like going in a a year from now a little less the, the risk has been mitigated to some degree even if the overall financial anvil is still you know coming coming down on this team in ways and, and and that's a win. And even let's talk about the financial anvil for a minute because sure. Um what is interesting to me and I am infamously skeptical of clickbait, you know, rumors, woes and shams, you know, doing people's biddings and all that other stuff. But I have to say when the rumor went out it wasn't them it was Haynes this particular rumor, but uh, that the Wolves were among the teams kicking the tires around what Portland may want for Dame Lillard. Um, They don't, you know, they would be laughed out of any type of aspect of that, except now all of a sudden, hey, you've got to, you know, Conley's expiring. Portland may want Conley's expiring. Kyle Anderson expiring, but I mean, most of those guys on that Portland team, and then you've got, you know, the Cat, Rudy, big numbers to match up, you know, Cat for Dane plus, you know, whatever. You have ways, in other words, to make credible conversation yes. about big people. I mean, if Dane wants to make life miserable for the Portland Trailblazers because Miami doesn't have the goods, and Portland needs to get off it, well, then, you know, it may be that you're in a position because of this financial anvil, ironically, that you can you can talk about 
that. You can say, well, okay, we got this number. This guy is pretty good. And this number, this guy is pretty good. And we've got some expirings here. What do you want? What is your package that we could offer to give us a Dane Miller? And that is one of the, once you start playing with the big boys money-wise, you get to negotiate big things, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't pan out. Yeah, so no, I find that you know that's kind of like a hidden hidden benefit of this. And and whether it's Dame or star player X, anytime right. Paul over Paul George or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like that that you can. I like credible. I, I think credibility in the Wolves being able to toil in those waters, which we know they've done so little of the <laughs> entirety of. The, I thought that's where you were going with it at first. It's just like yeah, no, it is that. Well, that that's it's it's two pence, right? It's it's that. That the wolves are even in conversation to be able to, or that we could even credibly picture that. Yeah, credibly, when the rumor goes out that this the wolves are talking, we don't go. Ha, ha, ha. A year ago, you go, oh yeah, right. You know, it's not like when Kyrie Irving said the Timberwolves were on his list like eight right, years ago. Exactly. You're like, what? No, I mean, right, come on. Right, like right. there, there is a greater credibility to the organization, um, and I, I would attribute actually a lot of that to Ant specifically in uh-huh. in the ability to lure. Um, and then also, yeah, like some functional credibility in the idea that you have players on big contracts, but that aren't like, I mean, none of those contracts, even Rudy isn't like an egregious negative contract and, and, and neither, and neither is cat like worst case with those two. You could say those are kind of like, you know, net neutrals or whatever. And and that makes it potentially tradable, as does Conley and Kyle Anderson on a lesser degree. Yeah, like Conley would seem like a credible trade asset at $24 million, even though he's 36 years old, given what we saw from him last year. Kyle Anderson only nine, but like that would be but that's a chunk of money. You yeah, know, and right, then, you right. know, all of a sudden you're you're starting to toil. 13 in, away from know, Dame. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just, it is an, up, an upside, a weird dividend of this that happens for a while at the very least. And we'll see. I mean, right now you could argue that Cat's value has never really been lower. Rudy's value has been in decline. If they both have bounce back years, you know, then the Wolves are in a position to talk blockbuster. Mm-hmm. With the second timeline of and, and, guys coming along, and blockbuster rather than teardown, you know that right, was exactly. the initial feel right. of the second apron and the finances is like, oh my god, like need to dump contracts. And we talked about that last week. I was like, I right. absolutely don't see a financial dumping of a of a Carl contract happening. What I that's what I said last week, right? I was and I brought up Dame Lillard. I was like, right. that's the type of move if Carl were to be traded, I think it would they would try and it maybe it's a multiple team deal or something. Again, not sure, necessarily sure. right now, but like a star for a, a star type trade. I think that's also kind of how the CBA is pushing this a little bit. I think we'll see more of those type of trades rather than, you know, rather than the how the Gobert star trade went down where it's like five chunk contracts. Right. And, and and that timing is very important because I want to be straight out. I don't think Dane for Cat is a great deal. But we are talking, I mean, a great deal for the Wolves, Mm -hmm. but not a great deal for Portland. But we are talking about a different type of market now. 
Mm-hmm. It's like the deal with the no trade here. thing, right? Like it, there, there's these once you, your leverage starts cratering, right? That's what I mean. And so they they gambled on Dame not being unhappy, and uh, they they misread it. They got scooped. Not a bad idea. Maybe they knew all along this would be the consequence. I don't know. But their bargaining position, while better than like Beal and Washington, mm-hmm. is still not the bargaining position. That even Mitchell and Gobert had a year ago, or that you know other players have had, even like the uh, you know the, the 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 deals that you are seeing now are going to be the kind of deals that you are not going to be able to give a forty million dollar player to a team in the luxury tax, mm-hmm. which you know was kind of something you could do for a while. Yeah. And <laughs> and and you know, so it's just the more this has gone along, I remain skeptical about the ability of Cat and Rudy to do what we originally thought they could do. Mm. But I also the more this process is laid out this this free agency season and this trade season, the more I am seeing that the Wolves situation is not a bad situation to be in right now. There's more flexibility to it than I thought. And I also think that if you are really, really good at spotting middle-level talent that fits with your team's culture, and I don't know many hobos that are as good at it as Tim Conley's track record, then maybe having seconds as opposed to mid-range first-rounders is a way to go because that it's not for nothing. If you look at Ant's salary versus McDaniel's salary before (laughs) this contract thing, I mean, they were taken in the same draft. If you pick number one overall and you pick 29th overall, guess what? I mean that's an enormous difference. Jaden's Jaden's going to make three nine this year, and Ant's going to make thirteen five. And so those step ups, if you're getting like somebody fifteenth in the draft as opposed to as they just got with Miller thirty third in the draft, that's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's so, or, go ahead. So I was just say let let's let's actually kind. I honestly haven't even like done the. Let's go through the depth chart and, and how this all uh, this all kind of weaves sure. together in terms of what it looks like. We'll grab one more break and we'll we'll come back with Britt and do that. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. And we would love for you to keep Falling Knife on your radar this summer as you head out of the house in search of patio seating in Minneapolis. Many of you got to know Falling Knife throughout the season for their Wolves watch parties. But if you haven't made it into the tap room, we'd love for you to give it a try this summer. If you are a craft beer fan, I can genuinely recommend their beer in the tap room or otherwise, if I see Falling Knife beer on the menu when I go out to eat around the city, I get it. The Verbal Tip Hazy IPA has been the beer I have drank the most of this summer. I really do recommend heading into the brewery to pick up a pack for yourself or to enjoy one out on the patio at the brewery. Again, as always, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, 
strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, back with Britt. Britt, one thing earlier that you you said with the, well, the, the hesitation here, right, is still the, the cat and Rudy part and how that works and the necessity of the stagger versus the kind of needing to force at home or whatever. That is, that is opened up. There are different possibilities now along those lines, given the Nas signing to it, right? Exactly. Nas is really important to the three big rotation. Mm -hmm. And the fact that slow-mo can be, if not actually a one on the court, Mm -hmm. one functionally uh, at both ends of the court to some extent. So not not that that problem is solved, but it is... It appears less problematic than it did in like December of of last or November, but before Carl uh, got hurt, right? You, even if it was just a blip towards the end of the season before Nas got hurt, you go, okay, this makes a little bit more sense now. Cat and Rudy acclimated a little bit more. Mike Conley's in the mix here. That seems to make Gobert better. All of those things that, yes, that still lingers. Yeah, right, right. right. No, that's that's a good point too. Like. That doubt still is there. It is not a totally dark cloud looming. There's at least some optionality of how they can handle it. And and honestly, I don't think we can. That is just going to be something we are going to have to see. Right. We're just going to have to see what it looks like for the first couple months next season. Can Nas crack that in the way he did? Or was that just a flash in the pan? Like we don't know know right. that um, at all, but if we assume that is better than it was before, now we can look down the rest of the roster, right? And we can say, what are what are these other pieces that you know better enable that group and hold their own at the one, two, and three position? And I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like a big part of the reason why that the the front court, the double big thing, wasn't working was because the guard play and wing play surrounding them was so funky, particularly connected to rebounding. I know that sounds like such a blah thing, but rebounding has been a disaster for two straight years for this team. And that had so much to do in, in different, literally different schemes year to year, but it had so much to do with the guard play and the wing play of being able to come in and help this team rebound. And that that's just one example of this. And now you got a bigger group. You have Mike Conley, who's a better rebounder for his position he's a better rebounder, than D'Lo yes. and and can has some more defensive positional versatility than he does and I think you go down the line with Nikhil now in the mix Shake Milton that way too like yeah, Shake has more of that area where Brown may be you know also important yeah I and, and again he I, I need to like look more I, I used to actually right. be a really big Troy Brown guy back in the like early on in his career Washington uh, I because he yeah. like seemed like he he had more in him than just a shooter I I want to like what and I'll, I'll do more time of watching sure, sure and and, sure. and digging into that um I do think he's a downgrade from TP um oh like, yeah I mean, it, like, what I was saying. 
So that that's but that's that's because you got two guys. Right, right. There's the cost of doing business was taking <laughs> right. that hit there. TP also played. I should look this up, but TP played a good chunk of his minutes at power forward last season, mm-hmm. or over his couple of years that he was here. There are not power forward minutes available on this team, like even for Kyle Anderson, really. So right. you get a tweener forward that is now more three than four than Troy Brown, and even if he is a worse player. There's some added value uh, in that. And then Shake Milton is a better defender than Jalen Noel is, right? And that I think he takes the Jalen Noel role this season. Absolutely. And Nikhil's okay, a whole and new also thing. you've got switchability. You've got switchability. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we don't even need, necessarily need to talk about three, four, five anymore. I mean, uh, two, three, four anymore. Um, and even Conley, one through four, if you want to switch one through four, Conley proved that, you know, he can, if if they people stay on the perimeter, he can guard mm-hmm. big guys. And Ant, you know, is motivated. When Ant is motivated, he can play great defense. And then we go down the list. But I I really like the idea of the switchability factor. Even if you're running drop, you could be a switchable team. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing that um switch four. That would that's yeah. what broke it, down with Delo was that they had to play drop and not actually not just Delo, but if Jordan McLaughlin was out there, you can't switch as well. Right. Jalen Noel, you couldn't switch as well. Now those right. guards have more positional versatility, which regardless of scheme will help this right. team. I would say that Noel and Delo, uh J Mac actually has pretty good defensive numbers. Um he fills lanes. J Mac is tougher when it's on ball. Um but anyway, the point being You've got a lot of guys, and when, when Clark ever gets healthy and off his Achilles, and you've got guys like Miller who could be a 3-4 with a small ball 5, perhaps mm-hmm. in his future. Minot, kind of the same way. Uh, and Wendell Moore, for all his – I mean, Wendell Moore, I'm down on him because he does not have a high ceiling. I think Wendell Moore's ceiling is off the bench. Mm-hmm. That's his ceiling. You know, and so I discount him, but there's something to be said for a high floor. Yeah. And, you know, if you want a guy who's a switchable guy, you know, um, it, it's kind of like Matt Ryan's on offense is kind of like Wendell Moore on defense. You're getting something that you know you kind of have and the other side of the ball, you hope, but, mm-hmm. you know. At the very least, Wendell Moore will make good decisions and adhere to his assignments and know when to switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's a pro. He's like Kata Bates Diop in his own <laughs> way, you know? And right. so so that isn't terrible either. It's just good depth. And and so without getting too far astray, because I know kind of depth charting we want to talk about, I Finch and Connolly both fell in love with that. West Coast trip, that four-game winning streak. Oh, yeah. And, and understandably, it was the best the Wolves looked all season. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that Slomo got to do his thing as a point guard. He yeah. regards himself as a point guard. He said it ad nauseum over the course of the year. And he gets to play that. Cat gets to play, you know, in flow with interesting personnel. If you have Cat, Nas, and Conley on the floor together, which they did in that four-game winning streak as one of those units, and then you have 
uh, Slomo and Gobert on the floor a lot together, uh, which is incredible. I mean, that combination of players right. was perhaps the best two-player combination the Wolves had last year. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Slomo on the floor as your either your three or your four, but actually as your functional one relieves the pressure for Nar or J-Mac or somebody to be spelling fondly because Slomo is going to, he may even bring the ball up, but he's going to get the ball at the top of the key and run your offense. He does it at crunch time when Fitch needs a bucket anyway. So I got to think that that's a pretty good option. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the, when when we talk about the, the looming questions about this, like we were with the bigs, like Kyle was kind of the elixir for that last year to it, to smooth a very rocky thing out. And and that still looms as a potentially rocky thing with this team. And then the other one is point guard. And Kyle, oddly enough, could kind of be an elixir in in that way as well. And probably by necessity, I would assume, is pushed a little bit more that direction on the positional spectrum. And it won't uh, be season. unwilling. See, that's the yeah. thing. He likes that. You know? <laughs> yeah, even if it's maybe not the thing he's better at. No, I, I know, but I know. that mentality of it is, I mean, we've seen a lot of players here. Over, I mean, even like a Jalen Noel last year got pushed into a point guard position that that wasn't his his. No. Pre- it wasn't his better position, and it wasn't his preference. At least with Kyle, it kind of it kind of seems like his his preference. And under the right circumstances, um, if the team is humming the way it should be humming. Uh, if you put Kyle Anderson at the nail or slightly out at the top of the key, you can sit and, and still have a really good offense. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. And what that might also mean is you throw Nas in the mix. All of a sudden you're big. Mm. You know, you've got a front court of Nas, Gobert, and Slomo. And then you've got, you know, maybe Naw as your quote unquote real point guard. Or even and Shake's big. Like exactly, exactly. So um it just the the possibilities of what you can mix and match on that second unit. And of course, like everything else, it's gonna be there'll be disappointments and boomlets for people, there'll be sure. injuries. Rotations are a notoriously finicky beast in the NBA, unless the team is blessed with great luck and great talent simultaneously. Well, so it, it takes time to figure that out, right? I mean, even look at Denver, right? And, right, and right. They, it, it took them literally years to figure out an eight, nine-man rotation around a really good starting five. And, right. and, and every Calvin single, Booth went out and yep. got two guys in KCP mm-hmm. and the rookie, uh, Brown. Yep. I mean, all of a sudden, boom, you know, Click. you, you slotted in that fifth defender aside, you know, alongside Murray, and then you brought Christian Brown with Bruce Brown off the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they just, I, as good as Connolly did, and he did a great job, Calvin Booth getting them the last 10 or 15% of the way there yeah. was very, very important. Yeah, and in one year. It's, yeah. it, so, it's it's just kind of interesting to to look at how we might imagine the 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 non-starters, right? We know what the, the starting fives would be, Cat. Gobert, Jaden Ant, and Mike Conley. And then it's enough guys who you could convince yourself are rotation players. There's there's too many guys, actually, 
that you could convince yourself are rotation players. And then absolutely as spin, well, I mean, you know, yeah. Nas and slow mo have to be in the mix. They're not starters, but you don't sign Nas for what you just signed him for yeah. and have him sacrifice free agency mm-hmm. yeah. in order to screw him yet again with like 12 <laughs> minutes, you know, right. the- and, and you're not going to Chris Finch is not going to treat slow mo badly. Chris Finch loves slow-mo, yeah. and he will get him good minutes. So those two guys are your sixth and seventh men, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're looking at Conley's going to need a blow. How does that happen? You know, Conley can't get 35 minutes a night. He's got to get, like, maybe 28 or 30. All right, so how, what do you do, you know, with that's a fairly big chunk of time. Naw, perhaps, is your eighth man, or Shake and Naw are alternating as your eighth man. I don't know. Or... Maybe, you know, that's where a lot of your slow-mo minutes are. It's kind of like that point guardy area deal. Those are nice problems to have because right. it's going to be fun to watch to see, you know, well, hopefully it's going to be fun. I mean, I'll <laughs> never forget uh, drooling over the fact that we were going to see last year's starters mm-hmm. dominate the NBA and then watch it not happen. But essentially, I think the idea of the mix-and match that can be done now um, puts the Wolves in solidly in a fairly large second tier of Western Conference teams. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I would, I would uh, agree with that. And, and getting you higher or lower within that tier, I do think will be about how and where the bench fits in the Nas making the bigs click Kyle and shake and Nikhil making the guard rotation click, like how Finch navigates that and how those players ability shows up in those roles is what is going to move the slider here in, in that direction or the other. And, you know, I think you look down, you probably say 10 rotation players, regular season wise, right? You say Kyle and Nas sixth and seventh man. And then, it's probably right. The the three guys they they signed Shake and Nikhil as eight and nine, um, and then and then it's Minot and Brown. You know, Minot and Brown, or maybe J Mac, depending on what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I think there's going to be a lot of competition for. I think Nob, unless something goes really wrong, is your eighth man. Yeah, and so then Shake is kind of used to that nine ten. You know, configuration. Yeah, uh, that's what's like. Just again, he's the one I've looked into more. I mean, he is literally his entire career been yanked in and out of the rotation with that. And with that. they got the Anthony Milton like on draft right. night last year, and all of a sudden, you know, I think he was planning. Milton took a lot of his role mm-hmm. in in Philly. Um, so at the same time, um, injuries do happen. A lot of stuff happens. Depth is a nice thing to have. And, and, and for size, you, you have guys who you don't have to play, too. Like, right. who, who aren't even, I mean, Leonard Miller is right. not, you know, you have guys that are going to be on the end of your bench who aren't going to be like, why am I on the end of the bench? You know? Right, right. And, and Wendell Moore. Garza. <laughs> Garza <laughs> is, is, is in the mix there, too. But, you know on a two way. So that right. in and of itself yeah, says, know. you know, I'm, I'm not going to play like you, you got, and if, you know, whatever it, I think we're it, whether it's Jalen Clark for that last spot, or if he gets a two way, or if it's a veteran minimum Austin rivers type guy, you know, that's going to be an end of the bench guy too, that 
isn't going to have a right to to the rotation when when they come in there. There's going to be, you know, whether it's Troy Brown or Josh Mine, like one of those guys is going to probably have at the beginning of the season or for chunks of the season extended DNP stretches if the roster's healthy and that's that's just you know part of the beast when you when you have a team that can go does roster you know 11 12 fringe rotation players three of them aren't going to to play and I just don't see any of them you know coming in with the expectation that that will be what it is right. it's, it's a classic quarterback competition right like who's right. the for for the backup and and that will be something not just we figure out, but I think Finch and the front office figures out over time right. that goes back into the mitigation of the risk of doing all 5 million or less players. Again, a weird way, you're like, okay, there's too many players for the, ro- there's too many rotation players on this team. So why didn't they just put all of the, all of the mid-level into one guy? Well, that would have been like Dante DiVincenzo and you're like, okay, we're going to give you the full mid-level exception, 12 million a year, but you're actually going to be like the eighth or ninth man. Like, that's not what a mid-level guy is. They're normally right. like a fifth starter, six-man type also, of guy. And also, I got to tell you, and I, I have liked DiVincenzo a lot in the past. Um, he's a little streaky. I think that not getting what he's getting for that role right. is a lot better value than DiVincenzo getting what he's getting for that role. And DiVincenzo, I don't think, is necessarily overpaid. Mm-hmm. I just think that yeah, what the Wolves have and what they needed, and with the familiarity and the cultural—I mean, this—I know Conley flaps his gums about culture a lot, and it's starting to come through a little bit better when you get a Nas and a Naw back. Yeah, and you get that group of people. TP obviously is very important to the culture. But it also is a situation where you are building a 20-something cadre of people that TP just doesn't fit in. I mean, TP, let's face it, was already closer to the Gobert role in the locker room. His kid was running around. He was always kind of like a heavy dude. He cared about things Mm -hmm. that a lot of the locker room didn't care about uh, because he's got age. He's an old soul, even if he isn't like 32 or 3 yet. He yeah. kind of feels like it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's good to have that cultural similarity. And it just you've got the you've got the Mike Conley, Kyle Anderson duo is a pretty good old guy umbrella. Yeah. Uh I don't think Rudy fits that, but there may be some players. Where Rudy will fit that. Mm-hmm. I, Rudy may be one of those guys who mentors in ways that the media and you know other people don't catch. But um, I I do think that we may see, especially if Rudy's more comfortable in his own skin this year, that it may be that Nas actually gets some pointers on how to play defense better because of Rudy. You know, um, well, and Cat for that matter. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, 
It was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Dane Moore for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code Dane Moore, all one word, for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And if it would have been, you know, a, a $12 million player, it's not only the, the role would have been, would have demanded a better role given kind of the cost, but also kind of given the age of the player that would have been signing that with, again, with the keel and shake they and Troy Brown, like they can, they're young enough to, to not really press the envelope in that way. And then also financially, they don't like Dante DiVincenzo signed a four year deal at that number. The Wolves right. were able to get, in theory, a combination of that value, but without long term money down the line. Like if Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. don't work, they have team options. And when the anvil comes down, they can say, all right, we here we go. We saved nine million by not picking up the option on, on those two players. If need be, whereas again, if you would have signed a full mid-level guy, you're basically adding another Nas Reed contract onto your books long term, and that economically wouldn't have been good business for this team. Even if that player would have, even if you're wrong about the Nikhil thing, right? Like, even right. if, like it, it, it business-wise didn't make as as much sense to do that. I was kind of like thinking it was going to happen just because it looked like that's exactly what they were opening up. And it was exactly what they were opening up. They just gave it to three players rather than than to one. And and now knowing and being able to kind of picture, like I really like that about the Shake. Like I can picture Shake Milton on this team because I saw Jalen Noel play that role for, for two seasons. And no, I we know that 
Finch likes that role. That is right. that he he likes that 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 type of player, and hopefully, Shake is a more productive player in in that in that role again with Nikhil and, and Troy Brown uh, as as well. Like, yeah, I, I've said the mitigation of it a, a handful right. of times here, but it but it yeah, makes sense. And, and, and we don't talk about this often enough. We don't. We you and I don't talk about it very much at all. But I also think a really key component to these last batch of signings is nobody is bad from deep. Mm. I mean, they're not great, but they're all like in the over 35 percent mm-hmm. from from long run. I don't know about Brown. I yeah. think he is. But I know that Shake and Naw are both guys who can Naw's shot looks awful. But, you know, Finch has confidence in it and it goes in a lot, you know. Um, and so and, and Shake has been over 35% his entire career. I think he was a little below his average this last year, but it was still pretty solid. And yanked, you know? in, and, yanked in and out of roles, too. Right, with... right. And so these guys, and the other thing about Shake, I, I tweeted this out just because it appealed to me, is that sometimes if you run guys off the three-point line, that's all they could do, you know? And mm-hmm. Shake isn't necessarily a guy who finishes at the rim, but he's over 40% from 10 feet out, you know, I mean, he's, he's over 40% from 10 to 16. He's over 40% from 16 to 23. Mm-hmm. So he could step in if he's chased off and there's no other options, you know, he can give you a little of that, you know, and then, you know, we haven't even talked about this either. We are just slotting in Jade McDaniels for the status quo. Who knows what his yeah. bag is going to be like, you mm-hmm. know, at both sides of the ball, is he going to start to be like, the disruptor rather than the stopper because you've got some stoppers now, Yeah, you know, maybe all of a sudden, you know, on the rare occasions when Jaden had to be a disruptor, notably late in games when they were trying to deny possessions on win or lose situations, Jaden was phenomenal as a disruptor. Um, maybe that's what you do. And all of a sudden you're, you're Troy Brown, Brown Jr. Or, or whatever. And, uh, or shake Milton or not. Those people can be your wing stopper, depending on, you know, what the matchup is or whatever. And Jaden is your guy who is a, a, a roaming trapper guy. You don't have to. Ha- we, we've seen at times like when Ant could guard the ball or when Mike Conley could guard the ball, that there's this intrigue of, well, OK, Jaden brings some stuff as a weak side rim protector, a passing lanes type of guy. And why Jaden has had to play such a crazy amount on ball is not just because he's really good at it. It's because they haven't had other options of guys to do there. I I mean, I would say with shake and Troy, I wouldn't go so far as wing stopper, but can more credibly get in the way than a Jalen Noel could or Malik Beasley two years or even an Austin rivers who tried his best and had the fundamentals down, but just didn't have the size. Exactly. And Forbes, obviously, you know, a Mm -hmm. matador Supreme. So, I mean, you do have, Mm -hmm. um, you've got guys and I actually, I would throw my knot into that mix. Um, I can see him not being a two or a one stopper, but I can see if you have a, you know, a Lori marketing or something. Sure. Yeah, there may be a time when you throw mine on on market and just see what happens. A, a chaos enabler, kind of, <laughs> but defensively big enough to even with if it's Jayden not precise. Disruptor next to him, yeah. I mean, you know. See, that's you know, having mine on Jaden trapping you, you know, or and you know, or whatever. It just uh, 
I don't know. I'm getting excited just talking about it because I really what I like is that as great as Ant and Cat are at filling it up, and as great as Conley is as a distributor and everything, this team can be a hellacious defensive team. Mm. It it again if Finch can find that that rotational sort of way and, ground, right. and and Minot doesn't have as clear of a path to rotation minutes anymore because of this, but but like. He I know. he doesn't necessarily deserve that yet, and if and when yeah, the, yeah. the the time comes, or again, maybe it's a maybe he that grows over the course of the year, kind of like Jaden's did in his second year, where it's right. like okay, now he is actually in the rotation all the time, and then a year from now, you're like okay, we know Minot is going to be getting 20 minutes a night. Then you have that optionality with Troy Brown Jr. or Shake Milton to say, yeah, actually we're we're gonna take that little contract out of the way simply because we want to give Minot more of this, who actually makes even less money than, right. than those guys do going forward. So yeah, I don't see a clear path for, for Minot to get there, but I, but your broader point is I see a handful of guys who can somewhat credibly defend on the perimeter. And I think can be more trusted on the perimeter. And that trust factor Tap so deeply into your most important thing on your defense, which is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, maybe he he lost a step physically in some ways, and that's why his block shots were down to some extent. The main reason why Rudy's blocks got cut in half or why he averaged three less rebounds per game last season was trust. It was trust in in the perimeter defenders around him. He yes. was not playing drop nearly as much as he had in every other year. Not in the same, yeah, not in the, yeah, not in the same no, way. I mean, not, yeah. I, I, I overstated it. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he played drop almost all the time, but it was a very different. It's uh, not what it looked like when you turned on pick and roll film of Utah compared right. with what it looked like here. And I think we talk about structure all the time last year, or we talked about it all the time offensively and how it really seemed like this team craved some structure to get more pick and roll in the mix to not have those just power outages offensively. This team would also benefit from more structure defensively or Rudy would. And Rudy's your best defender. And Conley probably would too, because Conley Mm -hmm. really knows that stuff and he's a smart player. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I mean, it would be interesting to see in year four, whether Ant would benefit from it at this point in time, just because. Yeah. A good point. It would go back to, you know, now Ant knows the basics. Maybe if you had the basics and less freelancing, you know, I, I mean, now I'm talking myself out of it, to be honest. No, but, it, but it's like, it's the, I want to see Ant less often bored on defense standing upright, like we saw right. for Wiggins right. all the time. And that that's yeah. what shifted in Wiggins when he went to Golden State defensively. Very good point. Was, was Very defensive. Good point engagement obviously both of those players have all the physical tools to be able to be really high-end defenders and Wiggins found it by I think growing up some but also taking on a lesser offensive role the challenge for Ant is can you be a great defender a locked-in defender while also you know carrying the water offensively and and it's a balance you you can't you actually can't ask somebody to do all of that very very few people do that consistently particularly during the regular season but maybe maybe yeah ant has that's where he takes uh, a a growth step this this season is just in overall engagement 
which it's not like he was a complete space cadet or anything like that. He was a 20, right. he was a 21 year old kid. Right. And exactly. And the, I kind of to bring this full circle and that kid's got a hell of a lot to be playing for next season in terms of engagement, volume of games. That's literally a requirement uh, to, to be able to get all NBA. And he's looking at about $43 million difference in that contract if he makes all NBA or not, you know, and I don't think he's a, a purely motivated by finances type of guy, probably even, I don't know, my just. I think the status of it would be more important. To him that's an interesting, money. that's an, or it's just to say there was a, there's a $43 million bag here on the table and I'm a competitive person. If I, I can go get that, I'm going to go pick it up because right. if not, someone else is going to get it right. And Ant is a competitor, I think in, in that sort of way. And, I mean, his goal is obviously a team goal. He wants to win a playoff series and get further in the playoffs. But when you ask him about his other stuff, he said last year he wanted to be an all-star. Mm. I think this year he might – it would not surprise me at all for him to say all-NBA. Yeah, that's what I'm going for this year. Yeah. All-NBA, you know? Mm, yeah, it's a shocker, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Defensive player of the year, yeah. maybe, too. Right. Definitely all-NBA. <laughs> yeah, coach of the year. Yeah, he's <laughs> throw it all in there. Um no, it's uh, yeah, the the ant thing. I mean, we should. I I think we only took a a couple minutes, but just to wrap on that, like, t- to drive home the win of that, and which is really just the overall win of you know credit Gerson Rosas making that pick, and and it really playing out to be something that has fundamentally changed who and what the Minnesota Timberwolves are in twenty twenty three versus who and what they were in 2020 before he was drafted. Um, yes, it was expected. He was going to sign this max contract this week. Um, but if we zoom out or we zoom back the fact that the wolves have a no brainer max contract player on their team at the age he's at that, that's that in and of itself is, is a, a great thing and something that does a hell of a lot to, distract you from the financial the broader financial problems quote unquote that this team has or or will be facing going forward where i that was a really good point you had with the the contract goes to 2029 when the 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 last of those those picks are there like ant is at least under contract through that storm you know right and and hopefully over time it becomes less and less of a a storm and you know, maybe you're good for this this whole window, and then the the optics of it. So, you know, you trade at those first. You're trading to Utah, or the 22nd overall pick on average over the course of time. Like that that bites the that helps you bite that bullet uh, a, a little bit more too. So I don't know. I guess any any final thoughts on Ant or well, anything I mean, else? We just to, yeah, to just to to tag on to what you said. I mean, I've covered this team since the second year of this existence, and um. The only obvious parallel is Kevin Garnett. Mm. Um, it isn't that, I mean, Jimmy Butler arguably had a better year, the year the Wolves went to the playoffs than Ann has had ever. Mm. And um, Kevin Love was a pinball machine at one side of the ball. <laughs> Cat has had some phenomenal years. Uh, there have been some very good players that have played for the Wolves. Garnett is clearly head and shoulders above anybody. But I am not sure 
that we've had somebody who can seize the moment and become the athletic did this thing about a month ago, like the next face of the NBA. Mm. And, you know, Victor obviously was in there when Bayana and Luka Doncic was obviously there. Giannis, I mean, Jokic even, but, but Ant was mentioned and Ant was in like the second tier group. And firmly belongs. Uh, huh? And firmly belongs in that. Oh, and that's, and the point I'm trying to make here is there's a combination of things that you need. Garnett had it too. Garnett had a, a charisma about him. The, the difference being that Garnett um, was in with a group of people. I mean, Tim Duncan was obviously his rival for that, and the, the Spurs were winning all the time. Um, and that was more of a, this is what the NBA is. It's a button-down, you know, greatness. But the face of the NBA also has to have some charisma mixed with winning, mixed with a signature. Yeah. And you know, charisma alone, you know, this isn't white chocolate, you know. This is basically somebody who embodies what's great about the NBA by the way he plays and who he is. And already people accuse us of overrating Ant. And I'm not saying he's going to be the face of the NBA. What I am saying is he has the raw materials and the makeup and the skill set to become that if everything breaks right. If his team is really successful, if he fulfills his enormous ceiling even 80-90% of the way and things all come together in a dovetailed groove, then the Wolves are going to be incredibly relevant and he is going to be one of the top five players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that is a long shot because it's an enormous get, but that is also not unrealistic. It's just a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if he doesn't become that, he can become the second best player in franchise history. And I think that is not probable, but I think it is. Pretty good odds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what we're talking about here is a guy who has shown his work ethic, a guy who has natural ability, a guy who does attract people to him. All the vets who have dealt in the locker room with Ant have praised him to high heaven. Um, he's a great teammate. Uh, he's coachable. Every coach that's been around him loves him. Uh, there's not much to dislike about him. Uh, yeah, he has attention deficit disorder on defense sometimes, and he occasionally falls in love with getting his own shot. Those are not necessarily bad things when you're that young and that talented. Those are the kinds of things that kind of get smoothed out anyway mm-hmm. as you begin to, you know, get into rounding the edges of your greatness. And so as often happens with max players in the modern NBA, it's a value pick Mm -hmm. and getting 35, $40 million a year over the next five years, $45 million 
is a value play. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want in the NBA. You want a value play with your max contracts. This is not totally a basketball thing, but related to max contracts in a different way. And I just think it this is interesting. I think Anthony Edwards might be one of, if not the first player to make a billion dollars in career earnings. Because I was thinking about that today. If you telescope it out. Yeah, well, I was I was thinking about that today with 260, right? And I was like, okay, 260 plus 40 is 300. He made 40 on makes about 45 right. on his rookie deal. And so this this 260 million dollar contract, if he gets all NBA, will be done when he's 27, which means he got yeah right. have another 28 to 32. Honestly, like that's kind of like his prime. That will be his prime contract. As crazy as it right. is, like the end of this contract, he's won't be firmly in his prime or or whatever, but. Right. Then you, you factor in some cap going up stuff. Is that and and now he's going to be doing thirty five percent of the max. Is that next contract three hundred fifty million dollars, or is the one after that? Then he would have another contract would start at thirty two, you know, thirty two to thirty seven. Another four hundred. I mean, you're over a billion dollars right. right there. And obviously, our our main focus when we do all this stuff is, is the, whether or not there'll be a planet. yeah we've already (laughs) global warming hit too here um but the there there is also something about in particularly in today's day and age and what people are talking about with how big these contracts are i'm also and this is a you know a, a, a side tangent side plot whatever i'm curious to see what anthony edwards does uh, with a billion dollars in in the world, and you know, as LeBron right. James has done a hell of a lot of good stuff with that. Um, as we talk about chapters down the line, and I guess a billion's an arbitrary line to to draw, but I think Anthony Edwards will have over a billion dollars worth of earnings um, when it's when it's all said and done, and it'll just be when when he, when that time comes, and we're a lot older. Um, it'll be funny to think about. The, the kid that we met on Zoom during the pandemic who didn't know who Alex Rodriguez was or didn't really know much of anything because he was because right. he was 18, 19 uh, years old. And, uh, you know, as I would say for me, as someone who <laughs> who lives here and is going to you know, be around this team, um, I'm I'm interested and glad to be able to, to follow it. Right. Uh, as right, a basketball right. player and as a person. So to that end, that's. That's all. That's all. And as the oatmeal comes out of my mouth, I will definitely be engaged <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, on, on that oh no, no. My last thing is I wanted to just say this is such a this is such a smaller thing, but I wrote down in my notes. I wanted Luca Garza on a two way contract's a good deal. Yes. Yeah, and, I agree. And that's because at the very least, I gotta tell you, I mean, you know, Garza's got that cachet too. There's some Garza acolytes out there, man. They're a hearty band. And it isn't just Iowa, I think. You know, there are just folks who uh, just kind of groove on him. I mean, Mm -hmm. just watching him run, you know, is... uh, Well, that's the worst part, but... (laughs) But, I mean, that's comic relief. Comic relief actually really does help a player. Corey Brewer, I got to tell you, his game had so many holes in it. Yep. That if there wasn't some comedy in those holes, it would have been really hard, mm-hmm. you know. And he would have been Mo Williams, you know. Yeah. And and so it is that kind of thing. And last thing for me is we were just talking about a billion dollars. There was a tweet out the other day. Michael Jordan made nine hundred ninety-seven million dollars in the NBA yeah. in his career. In his career, he didn't make a hundred million dollars. Wow, that's 
It's a, it's a, it's a different world. I mean, yeah, it's a, at this point, you know, it's all monopoly money in my mind. And I'm like, Oh, right. it's just a percentage of the cap, you That's know, right. but that, that, right. It, you're right. At some point it's a real thing that has, it's, those are real amounts of money that they get to go use in the world. <laughs> just, just like, you know, you know, make yeah, Mark Laurie money. I know that going to make a hell of a lot more than Alex Rodriguez ever made uh in 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 his career so all right brit um without the steroids yeah exactly well (laughs) knock on wood (laughs) um i appreciate you coming on and doing this uh over fourth of july week weekend whatever whatever this is i'm glad we uh got to talk about i think we'll have um some more wolf stuff here with Nas and ant press conferences coming up as we then spill over uh into summer league and stop looking at the very top of this roster and how much it costs and start looking at the players who make relative peanuts. Um, but will be intriguing to, to watch in, in summer league as well. So we'll keep talking about this team. Appreciate you doing it. Sure. My pleasure. All right. He's Britt Robson. I follow him on Twitter. If Twitter still exists at Britt Robson, I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA. Uh, I got to travel back uh, into town and then get out to Vegas. So there's a delay in pods from here going forward. Um, don't worry. There'll be there'll be plenty uh, when we're out at Summer League. So until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.